Hey everyone, and welcome to episode two of Engineer On, the show that gives you an engineer's perspective on things you have always wanted to know. For those of you first-time listeners, welcome, and to those returners, welcome back. If this is your first time tuning in, I recommend you check out my first episode, Engineer on Engineering, to get some details about what this podcast is about. Go ahead. I'll wait. Okay, maybe I should give you a quick summary and you can check it out later. (laughs) This podcast is centered around the belief that the more knowledge we can spread throughout the population of the world, the better the world will be. So I've started this podcast to bring an engineer's perspective to everyone and anyone who wants to listen. In the first episode, I covered a little bit about engineering and why someone should care about what an engineer thinks. So check that out when you have a chance. Now on to today's topic, buying consumer technology. With billions of cell phones and computers in the world, it's hard to find someone you know without at least one of these. I know I have, well, too many. I'll say I have too many computers and devices at my disposal. But these are amazing tools and they're becoming cheaper and cheaper every day, which means they're becoming more and more available to the population in general. Of course, there are complications that come along with the amount of technology we have today, but that's really a topic for another podcast. It's my opinion, and I think you'll find a lot of people agree with me on this, that the fact that we have the answer to any question we could possibly think of at the click of a button or a tap of a screen is really incredible if you think about it. Heck, I mean, all you have to do now is ask out loud, and Google or Alexa or Siri or someone will answer you in just seconds. It's really, really breathtaking if you step back and think about the amount that we can do and learn with this amount of technology. Really cool. So one of the larger issues related to this technology comes when we need new toys, right? When we're looking to get a new gadget or replace an old one, you really need to know what you're looking for. Yes, I know devices are getting cheaper, but they're still far from inexpensive. So how do you make sure you're getting everything you need and not paying for things you'll never use. And how do you make sure you're getting what you pay for? Well, hopefully by the end of this podcast, you'll know everything you need to know to walk right into Best Buy with the confidence of an engineer. So without further ado, let's get on to your questions. The first question is really one of the most common questions I get. And I get asked this a lot. Aaron, what computer should I buy? And my answer is always the same. It depends. While I know that's not a very helpful answer by itself, it's true. It does depend. It depends on a lot of things. And there are tons of computers out there. But you'll have to find the one that suits your needs and lifestyle. So this question is officially, what questions should I ask myself when I buy a new computer? Now I'd say the most important question you have to ask yourself is, how will this computer be used? Because That is really what all other questions will come from, and all of your decisions should be based around. What is the main purpose for this computer or this device? Is it just an email, Facebook, and Candy Crush computer? Are you going to edit videos and pictures and run some really beefy programs like Adobe Photoshop or Premiere? Or are you going to do some serious gaming? These are three very, very different situations that call for three very, very different machines. Once you peg down the main use of your new computer, you should then ask, do I want the computer to be mobile? 
And I know this kind of seems like a simple question. Sure, why not? Why not have the extra capability to pick up my computer and take it with me wherever I want to go? Desktop or tower computers are a little hard to come by now because of the convenience of laptops. However, depending on your intended use, you might be giving up a lot by going with a laptop. It's true. Laptops typically require much less power than a desktop. This means you're going to see significantly less speed and media quality in a laptop when you compare it to a desktop. Now, keep in mind, this is really only important for avid gamers, people who are working with really high video production or 3D modeling or things of that nature. Really, really heavy computing. By and large, most people wouldn't notice a difference between a laptop's performance and a desktop's performance in their everyday use. And in fact, most people deem the mobility of a laptop worth it. But this is something you'll have to decide for yourself. Now, I have a desktop computer, and I am in love with this thing. I mean, I would probably marry this thing if it were legal. Um, But I don't know where I would be without my laptops. I am constantly on the go. And sure, while it is great to work on my desktop, I don't always have the luxury of being home. While I love my desktop and I would much rather work on my desktop than any laptop any day of the week, I would probably, for most people, recommend getting a laptop if you don't need the power of a desktop. Then once you've got the type of computer pegged down, you can then start looking at what options you want the computer to have. Once you've got the type of computer pegged down, then you can start looking at what options, what additional things you can throw on top of the cake. Again, this relates a lot to how the computer will be used. Now, by options, I mean things like USB and DisplayPort, CD-ROM, things of that nature. And I'll review some of that a little bit later. But for now, suffice it to say, pick the options that support your computer's purpose. Finally, you have to ask yourself, how long does this computer have to last? If you're going to be looking for a new computer in the next few months, then you could probably sacrifice some things to bring down the cost. But if you're going to need this computer to last five or six years, you'll want to get some higher grade components to improve longevity. The average lifespan of a computer, just for your own reference, is probably two to three years, four if you're lucky. So if you don't know, shoot for the average, two to three. Now those are the main questions you should ask yourself when you're going to buy a new computer. Of course, you should absolutely go ahead, do more research. Those four questions alone won't get you to a computer, but it is a great place to start. Ask yourself at least those four questions. I'll recap them now. One, how will this computer be used? Two, do I want this computer to be mobile? Three, what options do I want or need? And then four, how long does this computer have to last? Now, the next question I have here is what are the main components of a computer and what do they do? Now, we've all been there, right? Be honest. You're in the store with the salesperson and they start spitting off all of this tech jargon about number of cores and processor speeds and RAM, HDMI, DVI, USB, VGA, GPU, overclocking, refresh rate, and you just want to run out of the store screaming, and you go missing for weeks until your sister finds you in a cave living like a hermit because you can't take the pressure of living in a society you don't understand. It can be overwhelming. So let's break it down a bit. Let's start with the processor, or the CPU, Central Processing Unit. This is likely the most important component of your computer. You'll often hear people call it the brain of the computer, because that's 
essentially what it is. It's in charge of executing commands. Nearly everything you do on a computer is controlled by the processor. And in general, the faster your processor, the faster your computer. Now, there are some things to consider when you're looking into processors. Number of cores and clock speed are probably the two biggest. Cores are essentially little processors that are grouped together to make one big processor. They work together to give your computer the ability to multitask. You can think of cores like employees that are hired by the processor to do more work in less time. They're all doing the same thing, but they're working in parallel. And a processor's clock speed is how fast the cores are executing commands. So there are really two ways to speed up your processor or pick a fast processor. That is one, increase the number of cores, or two, increase your clock speed. Which should you do? Well, again, that depends really heavily on what you're going to use your computer for. If you're in category one, where you're really only using your computer to surf the web or check your email, then the standard four cores at really any clock speed is fine. If you're in category two, where you're dealing with really, really hefty programs and you're editing a bunch of video or you're running lots of simulations, then you're going to want to favor more cores than clock speed. Big programs like Photoshop, Premiere, AutoCAD, they're all designed to multitask or it's called hyper-threading, but really it's just taking instructions and executing a bunch at the same time. They're designed to split up the work and process in parallel so they can make use of as many cores as you have. If you're in category three, though, and you're worried about gaming quality, well, then you'll probably want to favor a faster clock speed because most popular games are really only designed for single threading or just making the use of one or two cores. So they really won't use all the available cores, even if they're there. Next, let's talk about your RAM and your storage. Now, these two are related, but they're very, very different. They're related in the fact that they both store memory, but they're very different in the way they use that memory. RAM is really a fast working memory of the computer that's really only stored when the computer is on. Once the computer shuts down, the RAM is cleared. Storage though, or the hard drive, is long-term storage that maintains its contents when the computer is shut off. Let's say for a second that you're a painter. Your RAM is like your palette, and your storage is like the box you keep all the paint in. While you're working on the painting, you'll want to pull out all the colors you'll need and put them on the palette so they're there for you quickly. Then, after the painting's done, you'll throw away whatever excess is left over on the palette, and you'll keep whatever's in the storage. If you don't have your palette, though, you'll have to get each color of paint you need out of the box one at a time, use what you need, and then put back the rest and get out the next color. The second method would take so much more time than having stuff readily available probably isn't good for your back either. The computer does something similar. When you use a program, it loads all of the data it needs into RAM to prevent having to access it in long-term storage every time it needs something. So how much RAM do you need in your computer? Well, if you're going to run really big programs or you're going to run a lot of programs at once, then you'll probably need a lot of RAM to keep your computer running quickly. Otherwise, you could probably do with 6 to 8 gigabytes of RAM, somewhere in there. But we'll talk more about minimum specs in just a little bit. Long-term storage, well, that's another beast altogether. The amount of storage you need doesn't really depend on what you're doing, but what you'll be storing. 
if you like to download and watch movies, even if that's the only thing that you do, you'll need quite a bit of storage because video is really big. Likewise, if you edit a lot of big media, you'll also need quite a bit of storage. So those are the main things everyone should really be concerned with when buying a new computer. CPU speeds and number of cores, RAM and storage. If you're a gamer or you need really good video quality, you'll want to explore some info about graphics and sound cards. But that's a bit outside the scope of this topic. But if you have questions about it, let me know. We'll talk. Now, this specific question didn't really ask about phones, but I figure I'd cover it anyway because it's pretty simple. When it comes down to smartphones or portable technology like tablets, it really comes down to usability. Can you use it easily? So my advice to you when deciding on a phone or a tablet, beside looking at camera quality, also go to a store and play with it. See what feels best for you, and then pick the one that feels best in your hands. Now, of course, we can't have a real computer discussion without addressing this Mac versus PC controversy. While I have worked on a Mac, I am definitely a PC guy. Though I will say, Macs aren't without their perks. I think Apple puts a lot of time and effort into making Macs user-friendly. They're very easy and fun to use, and they're beautifully designed. Now, I'll add a little note here for all of those PC users who just rolled their eyes. Macs are easy and fun to use if, and a big if here, you're not already accustomed to thinking about a PC. Then there's a pretty steep learning curve. Migrating over from one operating system to another could be pretty tough. But once you've gotten used to it, Macs are sleek and clean and simple. So then why haven't I switched over to Mac? Well, I'll say it's mostly because I started on a PC and I know the PC. And I also feel like with the PC, I get the most control over my whole computer. It is truly a personal computer. I really just like the architecture and how things work on a PC. Works well with the way I think. Now, the main difference that most of you probably care about is the price tag. Unless you find a really rare sale on a Mac, you'll get significantly more computer for your buck by going with a PC. Now, just for an example, a 13-inch MacBook Pro laptop with a 2.3 gigahertz dual-core Intel i5 processor with 8 gigabytes of RAM and 128 gigabytes of storage by no means the top-of-the-line laptop, is just about $1,300. While almost the exact same spec laptop sold by HP is $840. So you're absolutely paying for ease of use and the beauty of Apple's design. For a lot of people, that's worth it, but you just have to make that judgment call for yourself. So I'll sum up my answer to this question by giving the same advice I gave for smartphones. Go test it out before you buy it. Go and play with a Mac and go and play with a PC and see what feels good for you and your wallet. So now I've come to the question, what would you consider are the minimum specs for a computer in 2018? Now for this, I'll talk briefly about the specs I recommend for the average case computer in 2018. This computer should really last three to five years, I think. Of course, your particular case will probably vary a little, but I'll describe what I think to be the general purpose computer that will probably suffice in just about any situation. First, let's talk about processor. 
there are really two brands of processor we talk about today, and those are Intel and AMD. Now, I've had and used computers that have used both brands of processors, and really I like them just about the same. But I'm going to talk in terms of Intel processors because they seem to be more common. I will say though, and I think this is worth mentioning, AMD processors are slightly less expensive for a comparable performance. So keep that in mind. I'm going to recommend an Intel i5 6th generation or up, at least 4 cores and somewhere around 2.8 gigahertz speed. Now I know that's a lot of numbers in there, but think about what we talked about. Intel i5 6th generation or up, that's just the name that Intel gave their processor. 4 cores, well that's those little mini employee processors inside of the big processor, 4 of them. And somewhere around 2.8 gigahertz speed, processor speed. That's 2.8 billion instructions per second. That's about mid-range for the processors that we see today. This processor, I think, is a middle performance processor, likely good for just about any occasion. If you're in one of those extreme cases, like I mentioned earlier, you can play with the attributes a little, but I'd start here and work your way up or down accordingly. Now, RAM is pretty simple. There are lots and lots of different details, and we can split hairs about which RAM is better, but for the most part, for the general case user, you'll really only want to worry about capacity. I recommend 8GB for the average user, but it could be a little overkill if you're just using your computer to, say, surf the internet, but I really wouldn't go any less than 6GB. Below 6GB, you'll probably start to see your computer struggle to do some pretty basic tasks. Now, like we talked about, storage will vary greatly, but if you want your computer to last 3-5 to five years, I recommend at least 250 gigabytes of storage, though you'll probably want to look in the 500 gigabyte range. When you're talking about storage with different people, you'll hear these terms a lot. Hard disk drive, or HDD, and solid state drive, or SSD. The main difference here that you'll notice, besides how they actually fetch memory, is in the speed. SSDs are much, much faster than HDDs but it's also more expensive than HDDs. HDDs are relatively cheap nowadays, where SSDs are just emerging, they're a little more expensive. But for most people, it really doesn't matter what type you're using, you probably won't know the difference anyway. So go with your wallet. Now finally, the ports and other options. As long as you have at least two USB ports and an HDMI port, you should be fine in this regard. Just for your reference, the USB port is what you'd stick a flash drive in, or a keyboard, or a mouse. And an HDMI port is what you'd plug a monitor into. Beyond this, you really don't need to worry too much. So that's what I recommend for a pretty well-rounded computer in 2018. Intel quad-core i5, 6 to 8 gigabytes of RAM, 250 to 500 gigabytes of storage, and two USB ports, and at least one display port, probably an HDMI. So next time you're looking for a computer, start there. So after you've got your new computer, you've got to worry about the general maintenance of the computer. And that's where this last question comes in. How can I keep my computer in the best shape possible? Well, that's a really great question. And while there's not much we can do about the general degradation of any device over time, we can help prolong the life of our devices by keeping in good habits. First and foremost, keep your programs updated. It's really easy to keep ignoring updates. We've all done it. 
because you want to do something and you want to get it done and you don't really feel like looking at this update pop-up. You just hit cancel, right? But those updates are really important. They likely include things about security and performance, and that will help your computer greatly. The best way to do this is set up automatic updates. Have it run at 4 a.m. or sometime when you know you won't be on it. The computer has this ability, so it doesn't disturb your active time. The next thing is to install some type of antivirus software on your device. Your device probably came with some default antivirus, which is okay, but I would highly recommend going to look for a third-party security software. I personally use Symantec Norton because, in my experience, they've been really, really good. Get some kind of protection on your computer and phones against viruses and dangers that you can't see. Now, to expand on that, be wary of what you're downloading and where you're downloading from. Look at the URL. Before you click on a download link, check to be sure the URL is what you expect. If you don't recognize it, then do a quick Google search and see what other people have to say about the site. Now, when in doubt, ask a millennial. <laughs> We've got you covered. Beyond that, just be sure you're shutting down your device at least a few times per month. We're getting really, really good at making devices that run for a long time without needing to reboot, but it is still necessary. Even our devices need a nap sometimes. And that looks like the last question. So with that, we'll wrap up this episode. If you heard something you like, or you have a question, be sure to comment below. If you have a question about anything at all that you want me to talk about on the air, please do that at the contact page. I'm always, always looking for questions. And if I can't find an episode to fit it in, I'll try to write about it. Well, that's all for me. Thanks again for tuning in. Be sure to catch my next episode, Engineer on Politics, on March 8th, where you'll get an engineer's perspective on American politics. I'm Aaron Yanello. Until then, Engineer on. <laughs>